This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where Out of Print is available again, and listeners like you who support us at patreon.com slash thetomeshow, or by shopping using our DMs Guild and Amazon affiliate links. Welcome to Gamer to Gamer. I'm your host, Jeff Greiner. Once a month, I interview a member of the gaming community because gamers are awesome and the world needs more awesome. With me in this episode of Gamer to Gamer is Amy Vorpal. Amy is an actress who has appeared in many short films as well as some web shows that some of you may be familiar with, like The Dungeon Bastard. Uh, She has also had roles in mainstream shows such as The Mindy Project, Newsroom, and Castle. Uh, plus, on top of that, she is a musician who has released a D&D themed album called Songs in the Key of D&D. And with a name like Vorpal, I expect she'll continue to slice through all that comes before her in life and still come out gleaming like enchanted steel. Welcome to the show, Amy Vorpal. <laughs> that was the best intro ever. I work I hard on my it. introductions, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, then I, I definitely appreciate it. Part of my job is writing introductions for people, so I appreciate this one, there and it's, go. it's, yeah, it's really, really good. Well, you said you it all. It. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You bet. Uh, <laughs> so at the end of the episode, we're going to hit you with the lightning round to see if you can beat the current best time. But before we do that, let's get to know Amy a little bit. All right. Cool. All right. So let's start with with a not um, existential crisis-y sort of question at all. Who is Amy Vorpal? <laughs> well, you kind of nailed it in the intro, so kudos to you. I, I'm an actress. I'm also a writer, and that's ma- mainly what I get paid for now is, is writing. Um, I'm also a host and a producer and a gamer, and all of those are professional, meaning I get paid to do them. So um, I... Yeah, I, I, I'm like super in the nerd space right now. I'm working at Legendary Digital Network, which is a, it's the umbrella company over Geek and Sundry and Nerdist. And I kind of work for both of those companies. On Geek and Sundry, I, I play on games on their channel and then on their Twitch channel. And then for Nerdist um, and Geek and Sundry, I'm the, the writer, the only writer for Mothership which is a late-night variety digital internet show, very much like Attack of the Show, just without the dicks and the farts, even though there are dicks and farts. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it's just a lot of guests and games and challenges and, and shenanigans, and uh, that's my main job. And then I'm also, yeah, like you said, I'm also a singer-songwriter. I've got an album out, Songs in the Key of D&D. That's my own personal album that I wrote while I was on Saving Throw Show, one of my like home base uh, OG gaming company slash community. And then I also have another album out with my pal Jason Charles Miller, and we are the Deadly Grind. And we on Geek and Sundry met and started writing a song a week based on the, art, the, the happenings in the RPG at the time. So we had about 50 songs and we made an album of our top 11, and that's called Songs from Foreververse. But yeah, I'm kind of like a jack of all trades. I'm really, I'm also really, really good at producing. Um, but I don't like putting that too much out there because I, I feel like pr- it's, it's just the bane of my existence is producing. <laughs> and every project would pretty much not happen 
if it, it, because of the headache of producing. So I'm good at it, but it's also, you know, it also makes me want to kill myself, sometimes, which I'm sure. Sometimes what you're good at is not where you're called <laughs> to be, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things, like, I'm still not at the point where I can say, yes, make this happen, and it happens. Like, I still have to chug and slog and and burrow my way through the muddy jello of producing um, to get a thing to happen. But, I, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like the projects that I do actually produce are pretty much worth it, and which I guess brings me to, sorry for talking so much, but no. it, it brings me to how you even found me, which was the most recent thing I produced. My production company, I just got a production company last year called Snickersnack Productions. Do you get it? Uh-huh. The Vorpal Sword. Um, and and th this music video was the first... Uh, music video that that I produced under my production company. So it's also the best thing I've ever done. So I highly recommend checking it out. It's called The Dungeon Master's Lament, and it's on Saving Throw's YouTube channel. And that's how I even got in touch with Jeff. Right on. Yeah, it's a, it's a small gaming world, even from opposite coasts, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Now, now you brought up Snickersnack and, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, made the reference to Vorpal, which is your name. Yes. Um, is Vorpal your given name, or is that it a stage is my name? Given that, name? Really? No, yes, but so mine spelled V O R P A and then H and then L, and that is a hundred percent my name. And there are very few of us in the world, um, but everybody in my family is a Vorpal, and and we, I'm the only one that kind of took up the took up the torch and and proceeded to fulfill my legacy of nerd um in this in this way i guess i've got a sister who likes tolkien a lot but who doesn't um <laughs> but yeah no it's it, and it's very fun to walk up to a gaming table and be like oh amy vorpal what and everyone's like excuse me what did you say and yeah everyone assumes that it's fake and that i you know just leaned into some sort of gaming nerd persona and really it's just like no all of my family has this i'm just the only one that you know sh sh hung a lantern on it um, the, the real shocking part is is that with a name like vorpal more people didn't get into gaming it seems like a natural <laughs> <laughs> i know i mean and my my family's all gamer like we play lots of cards and tabletop games and stuff like that but as far as rpgs go not so much not so much i mean we all grew up with our n64s but yeah, not no D and D players. Although it, it is my mission to get them around and, and at least hammer out a two hour session and see see what happens. Because mm -hmm. awesome, I, I think yeah. they, I think they'd make some cool D and D characters. So with so, a family it, full of of gamers named Vorpal who don't play D and D, how is it that you ended up getting into D and D? What's your D and D's oh, origin yeah. story? Oh, I can't. Oh, I love it. Okay, in college, I was putting up a po poster, I went to University of Oklahoma, I was putting up a poster of the Mosaic Yoda poster, uh, where every, uh, like, frames from The Empire Strikes Back, I, I believe was the movie, make up a larger portrait of Yoda. I have that and exact same poster in my game room right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I was putting that up, and my cousin went, my cousin swung by with her friend, and her friend's name was Nathan Strange, and he saw the poster and was like, oh my God, what, what, what? And, and this is like within the first week of me moving in there. And, and he said, do you, you know, are you a nerd? And I was like, oh yeah, kind of, I'm here for acting. I'm, you know, an acting major. And he was like, okay, so, 
anyway, you should come. You should come play D&D with us. Like, if you're an actor and you're already role-playing and you're a nerd and you like this fantasy sci-fi stuff, you, you would like this. So I show up to this game and I made Nefarial Benedin, my halfling rogue, which I think is a really good class if you're a new player to, to play because the magics are light. Especially it was 3.5, so it was pretty easy to follow. I think Sneak Attack has kind of survived the test of time, but at first level, that was pretty fun. And and she and I immediately gave her one of those New York accents from like a uh, little shop of horrors like it's me and it was so annoying everyone hated it <laughs> but uh, you know hate loved it and then that was so that was 3.5 and I was in I was and we played all that year and then we played then we all were RAs over the summer and we played just so many hours and there was even this like it was classic, this jock guy who was a runner on the university team, or so he played some sport, and he would make fun of us, make fun of us, make fun of us, until he realized he was the odd man out. And he then at one point during the summer, he was like, "Can I sit and play?" And you know, we're like, "I mean, I guess, but he makes fun of us, you know? Like I don't know if he would even like this." So he sits down, he immediately like doesn't get it. It's too much whatever math or. And he, and he throws a fit and leaves or we kick him out or we're like, dude, this isn't like, this is supposed to be fun or he does something douche. I don't remember exactly what, but he, he gave it a shot for pretty much five minutes and then, and then quit. And it was just one of those like, ah, the nerds triumph. We, we kicked out the jock. Like it was just this classic event. But that summer, man, we played for, it was, it had to have been 12 hours at a time. It had to have been. Wow. It was awesome. And then when we weren't doing that, we were playing the PS2 version of the of the D and D game. <laughs> like we were we were so entranced. And then at that point, it was off to the races from there. I never really stopped. You sort of have a, of a nice, uh, almost stereotypical origin story, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 theater drama geek and and being recruited in in college and kicking the jock out and being made fun of and all all the all the. Sort of uh, archetypical um, experiences, uh, yeah, all, all rolled up into one story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't have the, I can't put the feather in my cap that I started in high school or anything like that. I mean, it was just definitely college. I got a, a later start, I think, than a lot of people. But man, I was, I was deep in it from day one. Right on. So, so you, it sounds like acting came first. Uh, so how did, how did that come about? How did you get, decide to get into acting? Yeah, I, okay, so I grew up in Malaysia, and, and we started... Wait, wait, I, that, I, that's a story, that's a story. <laughs> how did one grow up in I Malaysia? I think it was more of a story, but really it's just my dad is in oil, and so when I was three, we moved from our home in Corpus Christi to Malaysia, and that's where his job took him, and we lived there for four years. In that time... There were a bunch of these expats who's, who had kids who were around the age, like I think they were five and they were ready to start school. Well, there were only two of them at the time. And Jenny and I, my twin sister, we were four and they were like, we can't really, you know, the company wasn't going to pay for a teacher for just two kids, but they could make an argument if there were four kids. So the teacher came and we basically started school early and Part of the schooling with four kids, and it grew to five, and then when I left four years later, there were only 13 kids, and they spanned kindergarten through sixth grade. Wow. Um, but I got a lot of hands-on teaching, and I became very smart. But 
anyway, she part of the schooling was all all kinds of creative stuff, and so we would always put on plays and musicals. That's what the teacher kind of made us do, and it was like I think it was a that was it. I mean, I was Goldilocks and Goldilocks and the Three Bears, and and I was the loudest one. I thought that being loud meant you were doing it right. You know, mm -hmm. there there's just a lot of things that I can point to that 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 one teacher you know, made us do as part of our curriculum with four or five kids. Uh, and, and then, so that, that's kind of where that happened. And I, I remember thinking back to seeing, it was Foghorn Leghorn that we watched, I think a lot. And I was like, I thought actors were people in cartoon suits. Like they just zipped up and then that was Foghorn Leghorn. And I was like, I want to do that. And I remember saying that, to myself and kind of making a pact with myself that that's what I would do. And then I, you know, very quickly found out that that wasn't really possible because I was seeing it through the eyes of an ignorant, naive little girl. But yeah, I never really stopped on that path. I, I always did the plays. I always was in theater. I always was uh, you know, doing the musicals in school. And, and then when I found out you could actually major in it, which I didn't know until sophomore year of high school, I didn't know that that was a viable major. Then I, obviously yeah did it um and then i moved out here and moved out to la so it was it was kind of in my blood it's kind of always been in my blood as, as far as acting and performing and then the writing and the producing all came to be a necessary evil of actually uh making stuff with with yourself in it because it and, and also now i'm addicted to it now i'm kind of like ah, I, i've got to write for myself and i i like i like making I like acting in the stuff that I write I like writing the stuff that I act and and I'm very addicted to myself at this point in my in my weird creative brain um so that's kind of how that happened and then the the fantasy stuff I I was a reader I mean when we moved back to the states and when I was seven it was third grade and there was there was a huge culture shock assimilating was not in the cards you know it was it was we went from having five kids in our classroom in our entire class, five five kids in third grade to thirty kids in one classroom. Not to mention the rest of the classes in that in that entire grade. So it was it was so what our escape. My my twin and I just read books constantly. I ran into so many walls. I would read. I read while I was walking. It didn't help. Everyone made fun <laughs> of me. It was you know. I, I so I buried myself in these books, and most of them were like the Redwall series, uh, the Brian Jacques. Mm -hmm. series um all and all kinds of fantasy stuff lord of the rings obviously and uh from there yeah i i don't think even to this day like when i'm trying to understand politics or real world occurrences it makes less sense to me than elves fighting dwarves you know like <laughs> i still i still prefer lore in that kind of realm as opposed to real life stuff there you go. Yeah, there you go. And I assume then that the that the musicianship sort of spurned out of that performance and acting thing. You said you talked about musicals yeah. early on, and yeah, a lot of my songs sound like they should come from a Broadway musical or from a one woman <laughs> show or something like that. None of them. I guess when I write with Jason, they sound more poppy, but even then, it's more like Disney poppy. Like there are characters in it, and um, each yeah, each song you can hear the the character come through as opposed to just something telling a story so yeah they they I, I think that's where all of that came came from I was my claim to fame I'm gonna get it out there is I was Maria in the sound of music my senior year of high school and that was kind of 
that was kind of a cool thing. After everything that you've done in your life, you're calling that your claim to fame, huh? I, it was, yeah, <laughs> I'm really proud of that. I mean, that's one of those things where it's like, see, I was viable, which <laughs> in the end, it's kind of like, no, that was high school. No one else could sing, so you were the only one. Um, but but to me, that I was that was one of my, like, yeah, one of those things I can look back and be like, oh, yeah, a lot of things kind of came from that. Also, my love for Weird Al. I, I was writing songs mm. early on just to try to be like Weird Al, um, and that was, yeah, that was an early and long-lived love. Uh, of that man and i got to meet him actually on geek and sundry oh cool yeah <laughs> like I, I bet being on being involved with geek and sundry you get all kinds of opportunities that that us other lo- lower level geeks don't get involved in huh? <laughs> i i you know yeah i will say i mean i i wish i could be a, a like humbler about it but no it's fucking awesome to work at geek and sundry and <laughs> they i mean they're just kind of like oh yeah you play D D exploit 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 in the best way possible like it's it's one of those things where you can tip your hat and be like oh, i found my people and then also you get paid for it it's crazy so yeah it's really really awesome i've met some really cool celebrities people who i've met people who i am positive are going to be celebrities um lots of internet personalities and uh we got to play uh, yeah this isn't this is okay. Th- I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to be in trouble? But I was <laughs> creative producer. We played D and didn't get to play D and uh, next time. But Matt Mercer ran a game with some critical rollers: Jessica Chobot, Dan Casey, and John Bradley, who plays Samwell Tarly in Game of Thrones, and he was just delightful. So that actually is coming out on August third, and I get to you know put my stamp on it that I was the creative producer. Awesome. Which really means I was the only one on the production team who knew what like the dice rolls meant and. What what the modifier is meant and all oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, if, yeah. if if Geek and Sundry ever needs a veteran, uh, you know, podcaster and and uh, teacher, uh, you yeah. know, give me a call. You know, <laughs> sounds, yeah, sounds, sounds great. This, I'm down to like introduce you to any of those people. They'd love to talk great, about yeah. the stuff they do. Yeah. No, I'm actually in talks right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to get uh, Matt to come on and talk about his book that Green Ranger just published. So. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Yeah. I, I actually met him at Gen Con uh, one year ago, two years ago. I think it was one year ago, right after the book was announced. Uh, oh, and, and, awesome. and he happened to be like in line in front of me going through airport security, leaving Gen Con. And I'm like, oh, hey, Matt Mercer. Hi, I'm Jeff. Oh, my let, God. Let That's about me. So, awesome. Yeah. He, seems a, he what seems like a, a good guy. Dude, they're, they're, all of them are. They're all yeah. like perfect, happy, positive energy emitting angels they're 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 beautiful <laughs> beautiful people who are just full of hugs that's awesome. so i i'm i'm happy for you that you had you got the chance to meet him because yeah he's as nice as he appears that's cool awesome yeah so so we've talked about your acting we've talked about you mm-hmm. uh getting into gaming so yeah. so how does you as a performer your life as a performer impact your life as a gamer i mean other than it converging into this awesome job yeah man um Okay, as a gamer, I I I feel like every actor should be playing RPGs. Like I I feel like it's a it's a give and take with these RPGs as far as your acting training, like your acting tra- training feeds the RPG, but then also playing the game is also training for your acting. So it's a it's it's just improv as you know like for 3 or 4 hours. And you get to be that character, but also write the story on the outside. So it's 
I, I, I am so grateful I had this much experience. Um, I, I also, one, one thing I didn't mention is I did improv training for like 10 years out here. I was at UCB. I was in this Groundling Sunday company. I did IO West. I did Second City. There was, uh, there was no school that I would not take classes from. Everybody has a bit of my money um, at this point. But that, I think, helps a lot, a lot of improv. And and my favorite part of D&D, because at this point, and I, I feel like there, this is the trend, I feel like the way games are being built is that every single person at the table is a storyteller now, not just the dungeon master. Mm. And, and I, that wasn't the case when I first started. I, I feel like we were given th the way the games worked, and maybe it was you know, depending on which dungeon master you had, but I feel like the way the games worked especially in 3.5 was you do the thing binary you win you fail um but then with with uh, fantasy flight games and 7th c everything is coming out now where it just feels like every single person go for it what is your story that you want to tell go you go and the dungeon master reacts to it um as opposed obviously he has he or she has the story in place but but yeah it, it nowadays it does feel like i'm doing a lot of storytelling and and writing on the back end and telling my dungeon master, who was, like you said, our, our mutual friend, Tom Lommel, you know, giving him a little bit, making him write some stuff down that I, you know, <laughs> that I came up with. Uh, so, so yeah, and it just makes for, I love diving in and being, being that character for a minute. There are times when we're all at the table and it's, it's almost instantaneous at this point when one person actually goes in to the character, we all do it. And we are looking at each other as those characters. We're reacting and, and looking at each other and giving just so many gifts to each other in those moments. And that is, that's the, that is the main reason I do it. Well, and, and it probably helps that you, you sort of, you're, you're in the middle of this confluence of, of people and situations that you've got a lot of people with that kind of buy-in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know that every table in America or in the world has the same amount of buy-in in terms of, of deep role-playing and, and getting yeah into you're you're right you're absolutely right we we've all I mean it's a little it's a good balance of narcissism like we want to look real good play in this game um, because most of the time when I'm gaming at this point it's on screen and on some level and and then it's just yeah some some trust man like we're all trusting each other that we can be a little vulnerable duo shit accent <laughs> and be this character as best we know how and that everyone's going to believe it and go there with us. But you're right. It, in LA, I feel like there's a, a little bit more of, of us creative mm, actors. I mean, it's, it's acting a little more willing to actually act without, mm -hmm. without fear. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, so, so let's take the same question and flip it around then. How has your experience as a gamer impacted your life as an actress? Oh, good. That is a really good question. Um, I, I guess, you know, like, the main reason is that I have something to write about. So, so acting has been a fun little road for me. I've, I've gotten some good roles, but for the most part, still to this day, what the things that I am most proud of and are the biggest roles are the things I write for myself. So 
and anything I can point to and anything that's like, wait, do you want to see the full Amy Vorpal experience? Then you have to watch this thing that I actually wrote, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so gaming, I mean, I, I was like, why is all of a sudden I have this album? I have two albums and they're both about gaming. That's crazy. I've never written songs, you know, and tried to produce them ever. And then within a year I have two albums. So it's, it's this creative, I, I, I've written, I've written shorts. I'm in the middle of writing a big fucking web series in the fantasy world. So it's mainly not really influenced my acting. Like no one, you know, you go in and Fox doesn't care that you ever played D&D. &D, but, but the stuff that I'm writing, I'm making a show, a, a TV show with my friend. And, and, that's, um, and that's all about, you know, in this, this nerdy community and also the internet uh, and dating. <laughs> oh, we hit all the points. But... But everything, I guess, I guess gaming really has impacted my, my creativity and what I actually write. And then I cast myself in that stuff. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it gives me practice. I, I know that I, I like being on stage. So the fact that I do get to be on camera and improvise and be these characters, it's definitely good practice for, you know, whenever I do have to ha do audition and do play another part. It's, it's very, also at this point, it's very... Uh, it, 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 I don't know. I, I feel like I can autopilot be on stage. Like it's still it's still work, but I can still but I can really I can really go for it very easily mm. at this point because it's it's I do it three times a week mm -hmm. for hours. Um. So so yeah, I guess I guess that's my answer. Okay. Fair I guess on. not all of them. Not all of them have to be as long winded. No, it's fine. No, you're doing great. Okay. Uh, so, so, so you and you've mentioned that uh, you know if you want to want people to really get the the Amy Vorpal experience that you po like to point them not to your more mainstream things but um, some of the geekier things that you but you've written them or produced them and, and also been in them and whatever you get a little bit more of you. Uh, in yes. those, uh, a lot of those are very sort of geek themed, right? Your experience, a, a bulk of your experience is pretty geek themed. Do you do you see that yeah. as as a a boost or a hindrance to your possible mainstream success? As at this, okay, so not I, definitely a success, definitely a boost, a a boon. It because this year an internet kind of it's just an internet culture. So I I think what is making me more recognizable in, in case people, you know, want to cast me or anything would be they, they'd go to YouTube and mm. they'd realize, Oh, like she can do all this stuff. But, but especially in writing TV, writing, I guess any place, but also being cast in that people are wanting those people to have that experience. So, um, if let's say big bang theory, that's a great example. Big Bang Theory. Not really a fan of the show. But what they do do is they hire actors with the brain and the experience of these scientists. Like they, they maybe not in all cases, but you point to a lot of those actors and they are physicists and they are, they do have these degrees. And I, so, so that, all that being said, I think it will help because I think as D&D gets bigger and bigger, TV shows are going to have they already have had D&D &D episodes hmm. they're going to look they're going to look for someone who knows what's going on to write those episodes they're going to look to someone who knows the game for when they cast those episodes so that's only I think that can only help me 
because as as tight knit and as close and as really big and accessible as this world seems to us, I'm I know that I'm still in the minority of women out there who play role playing games. So if they were if they wanted to, and also act and perform and can you know sing and dance and all that shit. <laughs> so it, so it, if Fox or NBC or CBS wanted to be like, oh, we want a nerd girl, they. I'd be I'd be a ha- I'd be in a handful of friends. It would be uh, yeah. me and then and like ten other people. Right. Um, they, they can at least do it in a way that's authentic. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I so I, I, I and I don't think anyone would would look at me and be like, oh, she's only a gamer girl. That's the only thing we can cast her as. But but on the other hand, if they do definitely want a gamer gamer girl, then then I would fit that bill hmm. too. So I think it's yeah I think it helps. Awesome. So so you've talked a little about your your DM uh, Tom Lommel. You've talked about how you're you're amongst other things also a professional gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting paid to play games, whatever. So so yeah. Do you ha, have ha, everyone listening? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> rubbing it in your face. You, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry that I'm living my best oh, no. life. <laughs> so so do you have a, a a non-public group or is it all public pretty much at this point? Yeah, you know, I do not. I do not game when it's not on camera. I I don't have time. The mm. even these games that I play, they they're still four hours, and I play them. One is every week. Another one is every feels like meh, every other week. And then on top of that, I have my full time job. And on top of that, I'm trying to you know date, I guess, and then have a social life. And then also I write. Like my my other job is is writing my TV show. So I I'm full on at this point mm-hmm. that being said there are there are games i will play one-offs or whatever with friends and it's always a, a nice refreshing moment when it's like oh i guess yeah i can eat this thing really messily i can get shit in my teeth and no one would care <laughs> and and like we can laugh and talk and not take it too seriously and those are always refreshing but but yeah for the most part i don't get a real uh, chances to do do that most of the time Right on. So, so I guess we'll talk about. Uh, t- tell me about your your public groups. Then, what, who are you playing with? What are you playing? Awesome. I am playing a D and D five E with Tom Lommel. He's the dungeon master. It's called the our, our show is called the Iron Keep Chronicles. I'm playing a dwarven mystic, which is the Forgotten Realms version of Eberron's uh, Scion. So you you have powers of your mind. Um, and it's and the, and a mystic is part of the unearthed arcana. If you're mm-hmm. looking at so, that's really fun. Um, she's also got warlock tendencies, but I decided that the skills that that come with a, a, a mystic are a little bit more in line with what she probably would be able to do. Um, and that's really fun. She's she's a yeah she's a great character. I want to write a comic book about her so much. Her <laughs> name is Tack Sully Pond. And and she is as conflicted as any warlock could ever be. Um, then the other game I'm playing is on is on ProjectAlpha.com, and that is a conglomerate of Nerdist and Geek and Sundry. It's their SVOD, so you have to pay a monthly fee, but it's really worth it, guys. And that is a that is vast. It's called Vast. And it's a Star Trek-ish show, and the DM is Jackson Lansing, who's a comic writer. And he 
designed, he made this game. He built the world. He made the game. It's very, I mean, it's just rolling a bunch of D10s as the mechanic. Uh, sorry to, re- oh man, I'm reducing everything. Sorry, Jackson. <laughs> really well thought out, but you're just basically, it's a lot of the, um, uh, oh, what is that? Forgot, not Forgotten Realms. The Werewolf of the Forsaken, World of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that, those kinds of mechanics. So I play a Siren, and that means I am basically the biggest capitalist bug of the entire galaxy slash universe. And her name is Gaska Ueno, and she somehow rallied her troops. Nobody, there are There is no real government, but she rallied people together to kind of wear at least some sort of presidential hat. Uh, she is, she's called the most respected Siren. And so they call her Mr. Siren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that, those are the two games mainly that I'm playing. And then, and then other one-offs might include my friends have, um, they're, they're writers on Vast and they've got their own game. That's got kind of a fake core game where you play yourself mm-hmm. and playing that a little bit more. Uh, in the future too but I played a few games with them as one-offs and yeah I love the other games that I've played and love are well the main one is Fiasco I love it I love it yeah. so much so that's my next oh I also love 7C um, but we on Geek and Sundry Ivan Van Norman led led a bunch of us through a bunch of different RPGs in the Foreververse where we would jump from RPG system to RPG system trying to get home very much like um, that TV show. Sliders? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know the one. It's, it's um, also RPG Sliders was the was RPG the Sliders. Yeah. Yes. It was great. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and do I remember seeing correctly that you are headed to Gen Con this year? I am. I'm going to Gen Con. It's very uh, exciting. I, I, I went for my first time last year and it it was a no-brainer to come back. I, I loved it. I walked around and told everyone I was Mr. Gen Con, so Mr. <laughs> Siren is not a far far reach from what I call myself. Um, Gen Con 50, I know that it's going to be huge, mm. but I, I'll definitely be hanging out, and then I'm also going to be on the RPG or RP Girls on Friday at 1 p.m. at Gen Con, and that's just a fun little hour-long panel. That's, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I've been going to Gen Con for years, and uh, we we may have crossed paths last year, but uh, didn't didn't recognize each other. And this yeah, year, yeah. this year I'm gonna miss it. It's the the first one in a long time. Oh, I'm not gonna no. make it. So, yeah. Next year maybe. Next year I'll I'll be back. Okay, good. So so yeah, well, I'm trying you, to get my friends in the area to come too because it's know. just a blast. Oh yeah. And that to me, Gen Con to me, especially last year, was not work at all, and that's the way I want to do mm-hmm. it this year. Comic-Con was a little bit of work, but this year I just want to go there. I want to get my tickets. I want to play all the games, and then I want to go home with my friends and play more games, yeah. <laughs> and I just never want to stop. So. Yeah, Gen Con tends to be work for me because I usually go as media, and I record sessions, and I interview uh, people yeah, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, but, I mean, it's also a ton of fun because there's, yeah. there's a lot of people I only get to see once a year. Um, you know, There are people I will see just in the hallway that I've never talked to, I've never met, I've never played a game with, whatever. But it's like I know you from Gen Con two years ago because I saw you in the hall then too. You know? It's yeah. the same crowd and, and, and you feel at home. Like it's, it's better than Christmas for me, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it, that's how it feels. And everyone there is like, oh my gosh, just a, just a gem. They're like – they're like my people, mm-hmm. you know. 
it feels really good to be there. So when you're at Gen Con and you have an opportunity to play lots of games, because you said you're just going to buy all the tickets and play games all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what games do you are you interested in playing? What are you looking at? Okay. Um, well, I one one thing that I will do that I didn't do last time because I just didn't know about it. There's a tabletop game area where you can just check out games. You just get uh-huh. tickets, go in, and just or you're just like I don't know this one, and you pick it up and you learn the rules, and then you play it with friends. Mm-hmm. That I a hundred percent want to do. Um, my, and my then, roommate the last couple of years would go there and, and stay till like two, three, four in the morning. He would do that that's all gonna night. That's going to be yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely going to be me. Uh, there's a guy named Carl Kies- uh, Kiesler. And this is a big shout out to him because we were able to play with him last year. And he does he does these he does these custom games that he designs not only the mechanics but also the uh, inter- the materials, the interactive stuff. He if there are, if there's cards, he designs cards. If there's minis, he designs and paints the minis. He makes all the maps. They're all. Like you, it, it's shit that you would want to buy. Like even after we're, we're, we're like, so last time we did, a, it was a Ghostbusters slash Goonies game, and it was the Goonies going on trying to bust ghosts, and it was like, what are you talking about? This is crazy, but it was amazing. It was so, it was so good. You could play as either a Ghostbuster or a Goonie, and then the whole game was this crazy story that was so perfect. And he does a really like thorough job telling his story. So we're definitely gonna play with him i don't even know what game we're gonna play I'm, i know for sure even though as i'm saying this it is it is 100 percent sold out all of his seats have been taken but if you uh, he goes to lots of different cons so if you're ever around it i think he goes to game hole con and gen con so if you ever get a chance to play at carl keesler's table hashtag worth it um and then i definitely uh, and then and then I don't know. Oh, there's a midnight zombie game um, with oh my friend Laurie. I, I call her my friend. She's an acquaintance, but I met her last year. I forgot. I forgot her last name. But it's Laurie, and she runs this weird. You play as a table, like your entire table is a character, and it's it's like it's like D and D meets. Um, how, what's that other game that's like apples to apples, but it's dirtier? Cards uh, against like, humanity. Yeah, it's like it's Cards Against Humanity meets D and D. Like you just, everyone's drunk. It's wonderful. So you have ten people acting as one person, and and last, and I'm pretty sure this is how it happens every time. You wind up fighting like one half of the room versus the other half of the room. It's it's going to be cool. I'm very excited. Is that's what awesome. I mean. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Sounds like all kinds of great opportunities, and and Gen Con's always especially. I hear from a lot of people because I'm always there as media, right? So I'm sitting in sessions yeah. all the time. But I hear from people it's a great opportunity to to check out all kinds of games, right? You, if you at home never get a chance to get outside of your, your D&D sort of bubble, this is a yeah. chance to go and, and do a, all kinds of crazy things and, and just see what they're like. So yeah, Everyone it. is lovely. Everyone there is 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 definitely your people. I, I You just stand in line, you make a friend. like, Or you just walk around and say, hi, and you'll make a friend. It's amazing. Yeah. Or you bump into Matt Mercer in the in the security line at the airport. You know? Absolutely, <laughs> that yeah. only happens at Gen Con, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very good. Uh, so, if you were to give as as a now experienced gamer in the in mm. the industry, uh, if you were to give one bit of advice to the gaming community, what advice would you give them? Oh, this gets deep, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, here's my advice. Everyone's 
everyone has a good idea. That's what I will say. Mm -hmm. Because you do run into these people who sometimes their personalities you don't vibe with or or you just, I don't know, you're just like, wait, you're steering things in a different direction. But I think at the end of the day, unless, and, and even if they're, even if they're trying to be dicks about it, like the idea, everyone's got a good idea. If you go into gaming thinking that and really leaning into that, then, then you can do no wrong. No matter if you're a new GM, an old experienced GM, a new player, a grognard player, it doesn't matter. Every, if everyone's got a good idea, every, you'll have a much better time. And, and that, that I, that actually is difficult for me because like I said, I like, I like doing things my way. I like writing my own character. I like writing this. I like, you know, and, and I have the, as you said before, I've got the luxury of playing with some amazing players, some of the top of the line GMs, if we were to rank them. And, and so I know I'm lucky, but I, but I haven't always been so lucky and, and I, and I would get frustrated and I, I wish I wish in those moments I could just relax and be like, this this person has a good idea. Yeah, that's 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 a great. I mean, nobody's going to the game table uh, to not have fun, right? It's, it's games. Right. So pretty much by definition, everybody's there to have fun. Their idea of fun might be different than yours, and it, maybe it's worth yeah. exploring their idea of fun. Yes, and and there are contrarians out there. There just are. Sure, but. But that it's not in in the game. It's not it's not anyone's job to be the general manager of those people. So instead, back off and uh, relax and have a good time. All so right. good. they've got a good idea too. That's what I say. <laughs> so now let's take it take this idea a different direction and let's talk about making the world a better place through uh, ga- through gaming. Yeah. How how would you use gaming to make the world a better place? Uh, well, it already is therapy for me in a way. Um, it's be beyond the the need for being on camera, the need for the spotlight uh, that I have developed. I being around people is is actually still pretty difficult for me. So I'm I'm definitely an introvert. I'm not, you know, people suck the living life out of me. I just want to go home and and be alone and read my book. Um, but you do. We are social creatures. We do need to be around people and. For me, having uh, an a common goal is so much better than going to a party and you're just going to the party. You know what I mean? So for me, everyone's like, oh, let's hang out. I'm like, that'll probably never happen <laughs> because <laughs> I will always, you know, want to eat dinner alone and read a book and go to sleep. Yeah. But but when there's this common goal working like it's it, it's equivalent to a shoot or writing together or just having having a goal will always get me out of the house and get me get get me to social interaction and I also feel like I'm not the only one who feels like that. So I know that there are a lot of socially anxious people which I would definitely qualify my, my, put myself in there but having this goal of like, well, you're not just going to show up, you're going to show up and do something. And it's not really, it's not, it is playing a game, but it's also very, very structured playing. So, so there is a goal that you're going towards and yes, it can change and everything, but, but you, you will be there for three or four hours and, and you will get a thing done. And, and that gets me out of the house. 
So gaming makes the world a better place because instead of just hanging out, you're hanging out with a purpose. Yeah, I that that is a hundred percent right. I I would I I don't know where I would be if if I didn't have yeah these structured things to get me to see people such as work and shoots and mm-hmm. and D and D games. That's awesome. All right, cool. So we want to take a quick break from the awesomeness of of learning about Amy Vorpal here uh, and mention <laughs> our sponsor. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Noble Knight. It's a game store that specializes in finding out-of-print products. My pick for this episode is a card game called Borogov. It's uh, comparable to Uno, um, and but has a theme based around the nonsense of Lewis Carroll that, that was written in the Jabberwocky. Uh, and while the game features 13 different inhabitants of Wonderland and can be played with as few as two players, I'm certain that no one could beat our guest because she would simply go snicker-snack and slice through all the obstacles. <laughs> ah, see, I brought it back. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I also want to remind people that they can support the show by shopping on Amazon and DMs Guild. You follow the links at thetomeshow.com. You get the exact same experience, but we get it through a few coppers thrown towards us. Uh, you can also be a patron over at patreon.com slash thetomeshow where you get an early peek as to what we're doing and help sort of guide the future episodes. Remember when a Sarak built a tomb in Greyhawk? Noble Knight does. Remember when we stood against the giants? Noble Knight does. Remember Thaco? Noble Knight does. Remember when the legendary Dragonlance was recovered to win the war? Noble Knight does. Remember Spelljammer? Mistara? Dark Sun? Planescape? Noble Knight does. Remember Chainmail? First edition? AD&D 3.5 4E? Noble Knight does. Remember all the stories you haven't told yet? All the games you haven't played? Noble Knight, a game store with all the best games from today and tomorrow and back through the ages of gaming history. Head over to thetomeshow.com to find a link to Noble Knight, where Out of Print is available again. And be sure to tell them that the Tome Show sent you. And now we're back to talk to Amy Vorpal in the lightning round. Are you ready? Are you excited? Yes. All right. You are going to answer 20 questions as quickly as you can. The same questions I asked the other, uh, the other guests on, um, on the, the show. Okay. Um, but your goal is not just to answer them quickly, but to answer them satisfyingly. So, so okay. good, satisfying answers, but do so in a, in a way that beats the current record. Uh, okay. The current record was set by Mike Shea. He runs the website slyflourish.com. Uh, his record is five minutes and 15 seconds. Okay. That said, no pressure because our last competitor, Mike Schley, who does a lot of uh, maps for... Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't have a Mike Shea and a Mike Schley. We, we do. Mike Schley was just on uh, the last month and he clocked over nine minutes. So, so no pressure. Oh, he didn't give a fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ready? Yeah. All right. We will start. Number one, do you prefer to DM or play? Play. Two, what was your first RPG? Uh, D&D 3.5. Three, name the person who introduced you to RPGs. Kyle Whipple and Nathan Strange. Four, create the title of a book that sits on a mad wizard's shelf. Uh, The Intoxicating Rituals of the Underdark. (laughs) Okay, five. Uh, The name of a game or or an adventure that you haven't played but you want to. Oh, oh! You know, I've never played the Curse of Stroud. 
Oh, okay. Very good. Uh, so, six, then. What was the last game product you bought? It was... Oh, it was dice. I had to buy a shit ton of D10 for this, the vast game. Okay. So many D10. You got a game store out there, or do you have an online retailer you use? I went straight to Game Science. There you go. Uh, seven. Make up the name of an NPC. Oh, um... Jadara Saving Storm. Jadara Saving Storm. What is Jadara Saving Storm? Uh, that... She's a, she's a tiefling... Um, she's, she's definitely bald and she's a monk and a monk. Okay. Very good. Uh, so eight, give us the name of a PC you've played, but haven't mentioned yet. Um, as death Huron, she was my dwarven fighter and she was the second PC I ever played after Nefarial. Very good. Number she, she made rope squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine. What is your favorite house rule? Oh, um, if you role play, you get inspiration. If you role play really well, you get inspiration. Okay. Ten, how long are your game sessions? Three, about three to four hours. All right. Uh, Eleven, name a fantasy tavern. Like, make up a name of a fantasy tavern. Yes. Uh, the, the tortoises smell. Oh, man, that's terrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm changing it. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, the the Kraken's Cavern. I don't know. <laughs> that one sounds dirty. I don't know. <laughs> I know. That one, <laughs> that one opens at 9 p.m. <laughs> there you go. Uh, 12, uh, a source of inspiration that has influenced your game. Oh. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, do you know? Okay, great. Do you know? The books, the Bartimaeus trilogy. I don't, but I'm sure some of our Bart listeners do. Yeah, the Bartimaeus trilogy. I think there are four books now by Jonathan Stroud. Wait, wait, wait. Anyway. Wait, wait, wait. It's a trilogy with four books? Well, it started out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. You, yes. Good, good, good call. Okay. You're making my answer longer. I, I, anyway, I do that. Anyway, yes. the Bartimaeus trilogy, and, and it's all about this genie who's a real piece of shit, but you kind of get a look into the, a genie's relationship with its master. Um, and how that actually can turn into a really good thing, even though the genie is its own in, in, independent entity. And how so does that influence your game? Is that like you imagine your warlock in that kind of relationship with its, with yeah. its patron, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of that, – that helped me build my character Tax Olyphant. Right on. Right on. So, so 13, what is the best race class combination? Okay. Number one best class is warlock. Um, and then I guess you could be anything, but I love, I love, so I guess, okay. So best, best I'm taking off the table. I'm saying favorite and, and it is a warlock. It, it's, it's just a warlock. I don't know. I, I could see it being, <laughs> I could see it being my favorite with any of the classes or with any of the races. So I'll say human, human warlock. Human warlock. Okay. I was going to force you to take flump if you didn't answer. So <laughs> <laughs> a flump warlock. Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> uh, 14 best alignment. A uh, neutral. Good. You got, I, I think, I think you have to be good. Okay. Uh, 15 experience points or automatic leveling up. 
well, man, I play on episodes. I play on 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 TV, so uh, automatic leveling up. All right, uh, sixteen. Best way to de- to determine your stats. Rolling, man, just straight out roll four four die. Take the top three. Okay, so forty six. Take the lowest, 46. or take the drop the lowest. Yeah. All right. Uh, Seventeen. Make up an elven curse. <laughs> okay. Um, Sadaya Monta. Okay, and that means you. Oh, you. You look. A, you. You still have your charisma, but you look as if you have minus four charisma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have some people that just give us the the Elven, and some people who just give us the English. You're, I think you're the first person to give us both. Oh, okay. Maybe. Shit. You win. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Mine's going to be like 20 minutes long. Uh, 18. Favorite game book? What do you, what do you mean? Your favorite game, uh, uh, you know, the player's handbook or this, this oh, manual oh, or, that, okay. or that, 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 whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I enjoyed reading. Um, I guess right now I'm actually reading The Forgotten Realms, the um, Brian Greenwood's book. So I like that right now. Uh, but. I also really loved reading through the Seventh Sea Player's Handbook. Which Forgotten Realms book are you reading? Oh my God, it's on my dresser. <laughs> is it the the, the giant timeline one? Mm, it might. Uh, let me see. Oh God. The Grand History of the Realms? No, it's no. not the Grand History of the Realms. It's like Sword Coast Adventures. Oh, oh, the Sword Coast Adventures. Okay, you said Brian Greenwood, and that's not a person I know. But I know Brian James, oh. and I know Ed Greenwood, who created the realms. Oh, maybe it was Ed Greenwood. Fuck. Yeah. I'm the worst. <laughs> it's oh. okay. Uh, 19, should there be devices at the table? Phones, tablets, all that. No, <laughs> your answer might be, yeah, say Your answer might be different because you play in front of a screen. I know. No, there, there shouldn't, but whatever. We're in 2017. You can have as many rules as you want. People are going to be looking at their phones. That's what I, like, it's just going to happen. So no, there shouldn't, but it's going to (laughs) happen. Number 20. And the final question, tell us a story from your game table. Um, okay. One time this was, uh, this was back in the effing day. We decided that I, I had this enormous sneak attack success and we decided that the bugbear who I was attacking, it was with my short bow, saw the arrow coming, turned around, bent over, and took the arrow up the ass. And his heart came out his mouth on the short, on the short, <laughs> or on the arrow. It's a short story, but I think it does the job well. There you go. And I have stopped the time, and you were really on track early on, and then I went and got in your way. That's okay. Uh, so you clocked in at seven minutes and forty or L fifty seconds. It's forty nine point okay, cool. nine, but yeah. So, All right, I'm not mad about that. I, I kind of, I did kind of give up about the time halfway through. I think we both <laughs> did. Well, which goes against everything that's competitive in my body, which is a lot. But I, I, tr- I try to get really hard when I see somebody that looks like they're on pace to beat the time. I try to be the biggest, biggest obstacle I can and, and dig deeper. Oh, you asshole. <laughs> so that's, that's how I roll. All right. Anyway. Enough. I blame you. <laughs> that's right. I'll take it. I'll take it. So, <laughs> so this is the end of our conversation for Gamer to Gamer. Uh, if people want to find out more about Amy Vorpal, where on the internet should they go? They should go. I'm on I, – just follow me on Twitter, really. I'm at Vorpal Sword, and that's V-O-R-P-A-H-L and then Sword. 
and hopefully you know how to spell sword. And then I'm also on Instagram there. Um, and then I've also got a website, www.amyvorpal.com. And if you hate all of those, follow me, follow Saving Throw Show because I'm on all the stuff there. There you go. Uh, but not on Facebook. Don't look for you there. Don't even try. Don't even try. <laughs> Do, I mean, I'm sure pe- there. my name is somewhere on there. Like I can't stop people from you know, putting my name there, but I am not there. There's nothing tagged. There's no real picture. I don't, well, maybe there is. Who knows? But yeah, you won't really find much of me there because I'm not on it. I disappeared about two years ago and I never looked back. Great. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. That was really fun. Yeah. I also want to thank our spon- our, our, our patrons at patreon.com slash the tome show uh, who get a first peek at things. Uh, they are people like Robert Aducci, Matt Bible, Doug Palmer, Mark, and Jeremiah McCoy. And of course, everyone who heads over to the tome show.com and clicks on the links to Amazon and DMs Guild and our sponsors, Noble Knight. If you want to reach out to me, you can email the tome show at gmail.com. You can tweet me. I am at S-Q-U-A-C-H at Squatch. The show is at The Tome Show. You can call the biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. And I think that's everything I have. This has been Gamer to Gamer. can Gamer-y. I say one more thing? Yes, you can say thing. all of the more things. Oh my gosh. Okay, please, please, please go and watch the Dungeon Master's Lament music video. That's the one thing that I really want you to do. I swear to God, you'll love it. You'll love it. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. That's, that, that is the video that led me to, to Amy and made this th- whole thing happen. So people, mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of money on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so people should totally check it out. All right. Yeah. So this has been Gamer to Gaming with Amy Vorpal. Uh, because sometimes you have to get out from behind the DM screen and meet people. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D. Unless you want to. Like me, you don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D unless you want to. Like me, you don't think we fancy? Let me teach you about class. Priest, fighter, bone, cast a kick your ass. You don't think we street? Look at this table full of rice. You don't think we hard? Just touch my dice. You don't think we can get it? At the birds and the bees. I'm a pallet in the suits, but a thief in the shoes. My character shoots 'cause they full of the brim with maxed out stats. He think he in charge, we don't worry about him Send for when he out to get us, be like Jack the Scram Master player, traitor, master creator Look at me, master NPC generator Just cause she a master doesn't mean you have to hate her Got a boy, I don't need to be no master later I don't care if over there your character is dying Cause it's just like baseball, there's no crying You wanna join in, now you start realizing We're the cool, cool nerds, call me Neil deGrasse Tyson D to the R to the A, good S, D and D the dungeon master sets up a scenario, then he or she asks, where would you like to go? We talk as a group, then decide together, there's no winning, yo, we could play forever. Stay right there, let me answer your questions, I'll clear up all your misconceptions. Stay right there, let me answer your questions, I'll clear up all your misconceptions. You don't dress up to play D&D, you don't dress up to play D&D, you don't dress up to play D&D, unless you want to. You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D Unless you want to Like me 
You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D Unless you want to like me You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D Unless you want to like me